It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Ben Anderson, Coach Tim Lacombs, the Utah Jazz fall to the Los Angeles Clippers 121-114. to Looking back at this uh, Jazz game, down 17 in the first half, battle back, take a five-point lead, going into the fourth quarter and just ultimately did not have enough to hold on and to extend this win streak to three games. So uh, a little bit tough, uh, tough, tough close there for the Utah Jazz. It's hard to pull them all out, right? And that's what they've kind of seemingly done. This one, um, like we said, they just kind of – Early on, struggled with without Mike out there. I really believe Mike's kind of the, the the he just makes everything go way more smooth, and they were kind of getting used to that. And the turnovers hurt them, um, but they figured it out and they fought, and they were right there in the end. And I think that the yeah, like it's just hard to win them all. Can't J- win them all. Jazz game night brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, featuring the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your Subaru story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share your Subaru story at markmillersubaru.com. Looking at the uh, Jazz tonight, your leading scorer. Pull up my numbers here a little bit. Uh, the Jazz got 26 points from Jordan Clarkson. Had a nice night, 8 of 18, 4 of 11 from the three-point line. Got to the free throw line, 6 of 7 from the stripe, Laurie Markin another great night, twenty-five and ten. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt also added ten rebounds for you. Kelly Olynyk, kind of a quiet nineteen points, but you'll take him. Yeah, he, um, you know, Kelly, as we were talking, so valuable. His three for three from three, just keep everybody honest, keep the spacing out there, um, and, and he's just got a, a a feel for how to play that works really well with all of these guys. And uh, so it's great having Kelly out there. I think the. You know where he maybe struggled a little tonight, getting to some of those balls, um, but still ends up with seven rebounds. And I just love his—I I love the, his feel for the game. It's your Master of the Glass, Jazz fan. Safe Life Auto Glass is proud to present this year's Master of the Glass Rebound Program. At the end of the regular season, Safe Light will donate five dollars to a charitable organization for each rebound secured by this year's team rebound leader. Let's take a look at the uh, numbers on the glass. Larry Markin and uh, Jared Vanderbilt, as I mentioned, each had ten rebounds for the Jazz. They finished with 45. Actually, out-rebounded the Clippers 45-41, but as you mentioned, some difficulty keeping uh, Zubats off the glass there for the Clippers. He finished with a nice night, 14-14. and 14. He's he's really developed into a nice player. He's just a big dude, he's too. Strong. You're talking about it, just getting leaned on by him. Um, but those are two areas you mentioned, out-rebounding the Clippers, which is you know they're a very physical team, and that's hard to do. The other thing, the Jazz, again, second time in a row, last game they played the Clippers, they shot 26 free throws tonight, 24, and that's something the Clippers don't give up a lot. So that's a really good sign that the Jazz have really challenged the Clippers defensively. So looking at the uh, at that type of development from Zubats, that's probably somewhat similar to what you want to see from Walker Kessler in his career. No, I mean, no. I think that's the next step. And and I don't want to knock Zubats and say, well, you you hope that's not his ceiling. Obviously, you hope Walker can continue to progress past that. But that's really the next stop for him is figure out how to be that double double guy who can give you what did he play twenty? I mean, we played thirty five minutes tonight. He actually led the 
Clippers in total minutes. I guess right behind Reggie Jackson, excuse me, who played 36. But that that's what you want to get. You want to be able to get that type of consistent play from a big man who just clogs up the paint. Yeah, it has enough touch and enough uh, ability to pass the ball that you know it's a big guy that actually kind of you can function with. Um, and he, as he gets older, he's so young. As he gets older, adds a little bit of weight, learns some of the tricks. You know, kind of gets there himself. Uh, looking at some of the numbers, Jazz had a tough task today trying to replace Mike Conley, and it's going to be this way at least for the next couple of weeks, uh, at least according to the uh, report from Sham Sharani of The Athletic. Colin Sexton got the start tonight, 5 of 13, 10 points. Jazz were outscored by 9 with him on the floor, only had one assist in his 28 minutes. He's just... He's got to be better in the backcourt, getting everyone involved. And I thought he had some really nice moments tonight where he looked like he can carry some of that scoring load. He's just got to find a more consistent way to impact the game in the starting lineup. Yeah, and his you know his real struggle is he gets it's a good thing and it's a bad thing, but he gets hell bent on the rim. Yep. Um, tonight there was a clip flying around Twitter where you know driving with his right hand, Jordan Clarkson's wide open in the corner, and it's one of those simple hook passes we've seen everybody make. Some guys don't see that play as easy, and you know I don't sense that it's Colin being obstinate. It's just you know guys get in the heat of the moment and they do they kind of revert what they know. So it's going to be a process, just pointing those things out. Hey, you're always going to have a guy in this corner. The way the Jazz space the floor and the consistency will help. Well, I think spacing the floor is an interesting point there as well. Kind of a weird number for Colin. It's contrary to what you would think coming off of a major knee injury. You would think his three-point shots would go up because he doesn't trust going in and kind of jumping around in the trees down in the paint. But he's down to 2.7 three-point attempts a game, down from 4.1 last year and 4.4 the year before that, especially while Mike Conley's off the floor because Mike's not doing a whole lot in the paint either anymore these days. Mike Conley's still attempting almost five threes a game. I think that's what the number is I want to see from Colin Sexton over the next couple of weeks if he's going to continue to start because it's not like he's a 25% three-point shooter. He still knocks down 37% of his threes, and that's right behind where Mike Conley is at 38%. I think Colin needs to step up there and show that he's willing to take that three because that does open up that spacing because he gets his blinders when he gets into the paint because he's not big. And it's not that he I don't I don't think it's that he doesn't want to pass. It's that he's six foot one. He gets a bunch around a bunch of six eight, six nine guys and he just doesn't see him in the corners as well as a Mike Conley does, as well as some of those true point guards do. I think that's one of the ways he can continue to move the ball and space the floors. Hang out by the three more and, and not be afraid to let it let it go. Yeah, I think that's all really true. The one thing that scouting reports will make him do though is shoot that three. You know, if teams feel like he's reticent to shoot it. Um, you know, be the first thing on the scouting report, and he'll have his chance to to be able to shoot himself, you know, out of low attempts and hopefully some makes. Um, then confidence kicks in, and you know, you know where the rest goes. But it certainly wasn't just Colin Sexton in the starting lineup where the Jazz struggled to replace Mike Conley coming off the bench without Rudy Gay or. Uh, Mike Conley, the Jazz had to go to 15 minutes or so from Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Simone Fontecchio. Nine minutes from Nikhil Alexander-Walker, made some hustle plays, but he had three turnovers in nine minutes and was a team worst minus 14. Again, it's really not just on one guy. Malik Beasley was also minus 14 off the bench for the Jazz. But uh, those nine minutes were, were re- generally pretty productive play, whether it was Taylor Horton Tucker filling those minutes off the bench or Mike Conley getting those extra minutes. Uh, and that's just... that that's a stretch on the floor that the Jazz are going to have to figure out because they led by two with eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. They had to pull Taylor Horton Tucker and Larry Markinen off the floor because they just, they, they, they've been playing for eight, Mm -hmm. nine straight minutes of actual game time. uh, And Will Hardy had to go deep into his bench. And and that's when the Clippers went on their big run. I think they'll figure out something, you know, I think that it's um, obviously it's new now. Uh, Conley's not out there. They miss him. Uh, I think that's obvious. 
but they do need to find out. And, and to me tonight, Fontecchio, when he comes in, makes a three early and kind of gets in a rhythm. But tonight, obviously, that's a hard game for a guy in his first year to go into. The physicality, their ability to switch, kind of make what he does obsolete. And I don't blame Nikhil Alexander-Walker for that at all. He hasn't played in four games. The last time he played, he played two minutes when the Jazz were on the road in Washington and were losing that game. You know, he hasn't had real important rotation minutes in several weeks and then gets thrown into the deep end having to make plays in the fourth quarter against the Clippers. Not many guys on the planet are going to be ready to do that. He he will know his number is going to be called. He's going to be better prepared, I think, the next time we see him on the floor. But that was the difference tonight. That was a big part of the difference tonight. So those are two guys who are going to have to show that they're ready to step up there in their limited opportunities with the veterans out. Or you're going to find other guys who are willing to do it because Will Hardy seems to like playing that 10-man rotation. And I think it's I think it's a smart idea. I think it keeps everyone fresh. Uh, but it just wasn't great. Great basketball tonight, deep in the Jazz rotation. Yeah, and that's been actually a, a real positive. So something that was a little bit different tonight, but different faces. So it makes sense. I, I did get a chuckle, uh, and I'm sure everybody will when they see the Alexander Walker drive drift pass. Yeah. Um, that I, I actually tweeted out Bob Euchre just a bit outside. <laughs> it was that was sweet. It was four or five rows. I mean, if, deep. If somebody wasn't looking. And sitting in those posh seats five or six rows up, they got clocked right in the side of the head because that ball was humming. Uh, looking at the uh, the Jazz otherwise, I mean, it was not a bad performance, Coach. We've seen this team a lot this year, and with pretty rare exceptions, I mean, every game's been competitive. This was another enjoyable game to watch. I think the Jazz fans, I mean, I know they weren't in the arena, but they got their money's worth tonight. This was another good effort. This team does not sell you short from that standpoint, they go out there and they give it their all, and they, there's just there's really no quit. They had an opportunity to win this game. And don't you feel like the fans after 19 games, that's the way they feel? You know, that's I think it's why they have embraced this so much. I think I think that the fans really identify with the fight, uh, maybe the underdog mentality. But the one thing that you're right, this team will play hard, and they'll play. They've been in every game. I mean. Up, down, you know, big numbers they've been in every game. It's fun to watch. So looking at the Jazz, they fall to the Clippers 121-114 in Los Angeles. Next game coming up Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. They are going to be facing Boyan Bogdanovich and the Detroit Pistons. So it should be a fun one, another opportunity for the Jazz to get a win. They're going to have that opportunity to uh, to come out there and do that. One more opportunity to see them before the holiday. The My Subaru Is campaign features real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Subaru owners are diverse and each has a unique story to share. Read some of the Mark Miller Subaru owner stories and share yours at mysubaruis.com. We're going to let you hear from the locker room when we come back. Jazz Falls the Clippers 121-114 in Los Angeles. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Ronnie Hook blocked it! The final box score is printed. Jake Scott and the coach Tim Lacombe are breaking down how it all happened on the Mark Miller Utah Jazz postgame show. Oh my!
Jazz Game Night brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. The My Subaru is campaign featured real stories from Mark Miller Subaru customers. Subaru owners are diverse and each has a unique story to share. Read some of them at mysubaruis.com. The Utah Jazz fall to the Los Angeles Clippers 121-114. Ben Anderson filling in for Jake Scott. And as always, Mr. Reliable, the coach, Tim Lacombe. If nothing else, I'm reliable. Don't ever forget it, Ben. Consistent. consistent we, didn't say what, we didn't say what level you operate at, but it's consistent. Consistent, yes. No, uh, you know what? Jazz has been consistent this year. Consistently strong, enjoyable performances. This one wasn't perfect. They went down 17 early. A lot of turnovers without Mike Conley in the lineup. Still trying to figure out how to play that point guard position. And then honestly, you know, it's a little boring to talk about because uh, it's a little cliche, but... It can be a make-or-miss league at times, and the Jazz only knocked down 31% of their threes tonight. They took 38, which is a great number. You even got 10 from Malik Beasley off the bench, but he only made two of them. And over the last five games, he's been shooting, you know, six games, he's been shooting 47% from the three-point line. When he does that, that can be a difference in this close of a game. And he had some open ones, you know. I know that that the Clippers guarded him well, and and Conley wasn't out there, but I felt like he had similar looks to what he's been getting and just didn't make him tonight. Uh, John Wall, of course, gets the three bank shot yep. at the end of the quarter. Um, so that's always fun, but it is. I think there are parts of it that are make it miss, and um, unfortunately, sometimes those have an impact on the game. Let's go to Los Angeles. Coach Will Hardy talking to the media after the Clippers win. Very well in stretches, um, and we were extremely poor in some stretches, and that cost us the game. Um, we got off to a tough start, six turnovers in the first quarter. Ended very poorly, six turnovers in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, credit to the Clippers. I did a good job sticking with it all game, and their physicality and, and pressure at certain points in the game really bothered us. Um, our inability to take care of the ball cost us the game. Yeah, it puts you in a real disadvantage because they were, the turnovers were, some of them so. Um, I don't know what the word is, gross, that the other team just gets to run down the court and dunk it. Like, we don't even have a chance to play defense, so it's hard to be mad at the transition in those situations. Um, Some of it is just not executing. Some of it is not being strong with the ball. Some of it is, you know, poor play calling by me, but there's a variety of reasons. But it's deflating to start the game with six turnovers in the first quarter. Um... I thought our guys really battled in the second and third and played the way we wanted to play. Um, and then in the fourth quarter, um, we were up two, and uh, they went on a 7-0 run, and that was kind of the turning point in the game. Um, the couple turnovers and poor transition defense in that little 7-0 run cost us. No, I think we I think we didn't move our bodies very quickly. I also think that we were hesitant to pass. Um, our team, our identity is play hard and pass. And I never question our team's effort. I think we do continue to play hard. Um, but at moments tonight, I do not think that we passed. So, I mean, I'm sure you don't want to probably use an excuse, but you feel not having Mike tonight? Yeah, you always want to have... Um, you know, one of your best players, most experienced players, um, especially during some chaotic moments in the game. Um, Mike settled us down a lot this year, but, you know, we trust all those guys on the floor. Um, I'm not sure that 
it was because Mike wasn't out there that the game went haywire at that time. I think collectively everybody needs to take some ownership tonight, um, me included, and we have to come back on, I don't even know what day is it. What day is today? Wednesday. Then we need to come back on Wednesday and be better. Uh, I think there was some good and some bad. Um, I think there were moments where um, they did a very good job. Um, I think there were some moments where our decision-making was not very good. Um, but that's not just those guys. That's the entire team. You said you need to take some ownership. How so? I mean, I'm a part of this group, too. Um, I obviously didn't have a perfect night if we lost by seven. Um, I'm never going to sit here with you guys and blame the team blame the players for us losing a game um, we win together and we lose together um, so I'll go back and watch the film and figure out you know what we can do to to help our team be better um, we obviously have a different uh, set of lineups when Mike doesn't play and so we need to learn quickly and be able to put some uh, some better groups on the floor together I'm sorry. You were seven out. You were going to set out Bando for for Lowry, right? And then he gets the play, the foul on Reggie Jackson. Mm-hmm. Gets out for the play. The tough time. Look back in the moment and say, "What have we been able to get that substitution made?" One yeah, I mean, there wasn't a dead ball for about a minute and a half before that, so Lowry could have been standing there for an entire minute, and it wouldn't have impacted that play. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think that would have had a, a big impact. Obviously, the, the play was unfortunate. I don't think that. I think Vando got caught off balance and instinct. His foot kicked out. I don't think he was trying to kick Reggie Jackson. Um, That's just an unfortunate play. I don't think the timing of the sub would have been any different. Um, I don't remember a stoppage in play for a couple of possessions before that. I thought Lowry was great. Um, I thought he did a really good job um, offensively, defensively. I thought he had some good moments on Zubac. I thought he had some good moments guarding Kawhi. It was a very tough cover. Um, offensively, he continues to to mix it up. Um, they showed him a lot of attention tonight, and he was able to still you know, find 21 shots and got on the offensive glass, had seven offensive rebounds tonight. So he just he continues to find ways to impact the game. Um you know, we obviously put him in a lot of actions, but he has really good instincts um, in those moments where he's not a focal point of the play. Absolutely. Um, I think there's no doubt in my mind that he should be in the conversation to be an all-star. The way that he's played for our group, uh, both ends of the court, um, I think the film speaks for itself. I know we haven't been on national TV this year um, but I think you know people are starting to pay attention to him and how he's playing and rightfully so there he is coach Will Hardy talking about the Jazz after their loss to the Clippers 121-114 one of the things he talked about there coach that you and I talked about quite a bit during the game was how well Larry Markinen played against Kawhi Leonard who's one of the toughest one-on-one 
defensive assignments there is in the league because Kawhi is so strong. He can shoot from anywhere. I mean, I mean anywhere from the rim out to the three-point line. He plays at his own pace. He is really, really tough to defend. And Lowry's marking in seven-foot wingspan and seven-foot frame really frustrated him at times. Yeah, you know, those guys, his advantage is he can, you know, he really kind of sink his hips and get a hand up to, to that jump shot. But where he kind of impressed you and I tonight particularly is when uh, Kawhi tried to get on a direct line. Yep. And, you know, Lowry moved his feet um, multiple times, kind of continued to cut him off, and then made him finish over hands. I, I love how disciplined he is as well. Like, he doesn't he didn't get himself in bad spots defensively. Um, I'm really impressed. I think that's the part of his game. I probably uh, understood the, the least is his ability to move his feet. Um, and then his physicality, he's been a little bit tougher than I would have expected coming in. And he's never had more than four fouls in a game this year. Uh, and it's not because he's taking nights off on that side of the floor. No, I think it's he's disciplined. You know, he understands the the idea of vertical, and he he understands that he's seven seven feet tall, and he's got an unbelievably long wingspan, and he can he can affect you know the, the defense or the offense with just his his presence. One of the things you know you can just tell now in retrospect that that just jazz team has that not every jazz team has had in the past is several guys with that length and and you know Rudy Gobert was so big he made up for it and could erase so many mistakes by himself but just having several guys out there with huge wingspans like Lowry even though he's not you know he's not the he's not the best defensive player in the NBA I don't think anyone's going to mistake him for that he's not going to make an all NBA team but that length is just disruptive. I mean, even late in the game, you saw the Clippers trying to make passes that used to kill the Jazz to Terrence Mann or Amir Coffey or Reggie Jackson in the corner. And it's just really hard to do it against a seven-footer. And then when you drive into the paint and Taylor Horton Tucker's there, who has the best wingspan to height ratio in the NBA, over seven feet tall, he only stands six foot four. You got a plus nine-inch wingspan. There's seven, another seven-foot wingspan there. It closes off passing lanes, and that's not to mention Walker Kessler, who's got one of the longest wingspans in the NBA. It's just it really eats up a lot of space. It gobbles up a lot of size, and the question marks that we had about this Jazz team defensively, especially in the front court, gets negated by having length before guys even get into the paint. And that really is what the ability to guard the perimeter, you've got to have length. I mean, last year, it's crazy to think, but... You know, Donovan and Mike, not long. Uh, you know, Boyan, not a, a real long guy. And, and Royce. So you've got four guys out there with next to no length, and you're funneling everything to Rudy, and that was kind of the defense. This year, length is causing the Jazz to so be way more disruptive, and they're getting turnovers. Um, they're certainly turning the ball over, but that's why they've been able to stay in games because they get their fair share as well on the defensive side. So that's been advantageous for the Jazz. Uh, it was adv- advantageous in that third quarter when the Jazz were able to uh, turn the Clippers over quite a bit, really flustered. That second unit that had been so good in the first half, uh, the Jazz ended up uh, really getting out in some easy transition baskets, scored 37 points in the third quarter, outscored the Clippers 37-22, and that's what really gave them an the opportunity to get out there and get that victory. Uh, had three steals in that quarter alone, two of them by Taylor Horton Tucker, talking about that wingspan. He just continues to impress me. He really continues to evolve. And I know we say it, it's probably going to sound like uh, we're beating a dead horse here, but he doesn't turn 22 until next week. I mean, at that age, with that much potential, and the flashes, the the consistent flashes of brilliance is pretty appealing, I think, if you're the Jazz front office after making that trade for Patrick Beverly. Yeah, because he makes... Like, you know how hard it is. You've watched this league for a long, long time. Uh, for a young guy to come in and have the impact he's had. I mean, I'm just looking over the last 
five games. Um, and he's been effective, and he puts a ton of pressure on the defense. But I've just, like you, I've been really impressed with his ability to just kind of play and be him. Um, he's having a positive impact, and he makes a memorable play or two every game, it seems. Plus two off the bench, only Jazz second unit player with a positive plus minus tonight. Five of nine, 14 points. Did have five fouls and four turnovers. Still some of that youth. He's got to figure out really, really tough call late in that game mm. on a block charge. That was an and one that would have cut the lead to two uh, with, what, a little over 40 seconds left to play right around there. Jazz would have been right in it. Goes the other way. Clippers score and uh, essentially ends the game. But he, he's out there and he's making important plays when it matters. So... It's it's impressive. He's going to really uh, have an opportunity to take advantage of this with Mike Conley out. I'll be surprised. I, I, I maybe I should say it this way. I won't be surprised if he ends up getting a chance to start. I wonder if at some point Will Hardy puts Taylor Horton Tucker in that starting spot next to Jordan Clarkson and moves Colin Sexton back to the bench where he can be a little bit more ball dominant and you don't need him to move the ball as well. I, I could see it coming, and, and I also believe, as we've seen, Will Hardy will try it. I assume you know he's a guy who will try stuff. Uh, I love the fact, like you mentioned, his ability to play ten guys. It's not ten, eleven guys. is 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 outside of the box a little bit. Probably a little bit what uh, Tyron Lou was talking about in his pregame talk about Will Hardy. Um, so yeah, I, I could see the value there. I know that there was an extended conversation on the bench with Coach Hardy and Colin, um, and it looked fairly heated. Um, on from Will's side, so I, I think there were, you know, there was a message coming through, and we'll see how that translates down the road. And I think Will Hardy, to his credit, one of the things he does really well as a communicator is he lets guys go out there and prove that they can fix it. Oh, for sure. So I, I, yeah, I would be surprised nice. if we saw it against Detroit coming up on Wednesday. But if you continue to see some of these same issues, I don't think Will Hardy's afraid to make an adjustment to the rotation. And it's not a punishment to Colin Sexton at all. It's just an ability to put guys in situations to have success. I totally agree with that. And I do think that you know the one piece that, uh, that THT has that Colin's lacking is his ability to see. Like He sees things. You know, He makes those plays. The hard plays seem simple. And that's going to be a strength for the Jazz going forward. We'll see uh, how quickly he can develop. Subaru story or uh, share your Subaru story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share your story at uh, markmillersubaru.com. When we come back, we'll go back down to Los Angeles, get sound from the locker room. Stick around. Jazz game night. Tim Lacombe, Ben Anderson filling in for Jake Scott. Wow! The outcome is in the books. Let's get to the reaction. Hear from the coaches, the players, as well as the coach, Tim Lacombe. It's the Mark Miller Utah Jazz Postgame Show. Here's Jake Scott. Welcome in Jazz Game Night, brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, featuring the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your Subaru story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more. And share your Subaru story at markmillersubaru.com. The Utah Jazz fall to the L.A. Clippers, 121-114. to Tough one for the Jazz tonight. It was. I mean, they they showed some really great things tonight and then obviously showed uh, turnovers. And as Coach Hardy said, you know, the type of turnovers you hate because they go right down the other end and lay it up or dunk it. So uh, they put themselves in a hole, but... Again, I enjoy watching them fight, and I enjoy watching them play. Uh, there were some really bright spots tonight, certainly things they can improve on. 
Uh, but they've been on a heck of a run here, and that's a hard place historically to win. We know that. Certainly not a bad loss for the no, Utah Jazz exactly. tonight. They're, they're better than moral victories. We, we know that they can beat anybody in the NBA. They've proven that, but uh, certainly not a bad loss. Time for the Chick-fil-A Foul Shot Review. The Chick-fil-A's Foul Shot Review of the game. Download a whole new way to Chick-fil-A. Earn rewards. The Chick-fil-A One app. Uh, let's look at the uh, free throws for the Jazz and the Clippers tonight. Actually, a pretty good strength for the Jazz tonight. Not only did they get to the line, they knocked him down, which has not been the case consistently this year. 24 trips to the free throw line, led by Jordan Clarkson, who got there seven times. Jazz knocked down 22 of their 24 for 91%. Uh, Clippers made up a little bit of it late when the Jazz were trying to extend the game, but for the most part, Jazz had a big free throw uh, advantage. Clippers did knock down 18 of 19. And that's hard to do. Uh, typically, it's the more aggressive team. It's a team that's trying to play in more downhill, um, which I felt like the Jazz did, and I think that's something against pressure and against switching, you, you, that's what you have, to, you have to be able to drive it. And the one that stands out to me is Lowry's drive baseline and pullback dunk. But that's exactly what you have to do when you get the opportunity and you get a mismatch or somebody on the perimeter you can drive. Um, and the Jazz did a good job of that. Got to the line 24 times. That's going to win a lot of games doing that. Another extremely good game from Lowry Markinen tonight. 25 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists. Added a block shot. Team high plus 14 in a 7-point loss. Let's go to Los Angeles and hear from the Jazz star. Credit to the team. We did a great job of coming out of the locker room in the third quarter and about getting, giving us a chance to win the game. And, uh, but kind of obviously we're going to watch film of that fourth quarter what we can do better but I think there's some mistakes that we can easily correct how tough was that moment the, the blocking call that got reversed on Taylor obviously yeah. I mean, that would have been a yeah it would have been a, well him making that free throw being two point game 55 seconds to go whatever something like that and I think we're right there where we're going to be on the road, having a two-point game, getting a stop, and uh, giving us a chance to win the game. And uh, so it was a so it was a big big one. But I think we still, even them reversing it, I think we still had a shot, but just weren't able to get that. What stands out about? What was kind of talking about the turnovers in the first quarter and then the turnovers in the fourth quarter, the first half quarter finish. What kind of stands out about what went wrong in those moments? Uh, not sure. <laughs> just, yeah, I got we got to watch the film and learn from Uh I'm not sure if there's some, some kind of pattern that we're doing, but I, f- I mean, I feel like we're ready to start the game, and uh, sometimes it happens that, like today, we... Let them get the lead in the beginning, and uh, it was off, but just, yeah, I don't know. I can't give you a specific answer right now on that. I'm not sure. I know that you've only played, you know, 17, 18 games with Mike now. Um, Can you feel it that you miss him out there? Because I guess some of the common presence that he has. Yeah, for sure. He's He's a big part of what we're doing, and just most of the minutes this year we played with him so it kind of feels different to not have him out, out there and uh, we just got to adjust and obviously we got good players to what, what, when we have that next man 
up mentality and we have good guys coming off the bench and now some of of course Colin started today and I think we're all good players we just got to get on the same page and uh, we're so used to having Mike in the starting lineup and now it's going to change the change things up a little bit but I think I'm still, I'm still confident on this team even without him uh, just have a it's one of those nights nice on the lines there he was, Larry Markinen, talking about the Jazz loss to the L.A. Clippers, 121-114 to tonight. You heard him talking there a little bit about the uh, turnovers in that first half that were a struggle for the Jazz. I, I definitely think there was some issue not having Mike Conley on the floor, but also they just shot poorly in the first half, and it really in the first quarter. And when you shoot poorly in the first quarter, you're going to get long rebounds that go the other direction. Now, that doesn't mean you just give up layups. you got to get back in transition, and this Jazz team has struggled with that at times this year, but... Those shots go in, you get a chance to set your defense. They didn't quite do that. Yeah, and then when you turn it over to boot, uh, then you really have nothing going for I was just looking at the transition numbers. Uh, the Clippers tonight, in transition total, were 1.7 points per play. Wow. Yeah. Um, off steals, 2.25. Um, so, like Coach Hardy said, if Jazz turned it over live... It was more often than not going down for a dunk. Uh, looking at these fast break opportunities, a huge difference in this game. Clippers 9 of 12 for 22 points, to your point. Jazz just 11 points on 3 of 7. Again, lost three big points from Taylor Horton Tucker on a fast break opportunity late in the fourth quarter uh, on a block charge. and ended up getting challenged. Smart challenge by Ty Lue. He held on to his challenges and uh, got that overturned, but that would have been a big one in the Jazz favor. This is, this is something I hope this team can figure out because they play so free. Um, you know, right now transitions almost the floor's tilted the other way. Um, they're not, you know, tonight they got out 17% of the time in transition, which is high for them. Um, and they actually did a better job in the second half of getting the game slowed down on the Clippers side. But I feel like this team can be better both offensively in transition and getting back and guarding it. And so I think they're leaving some things on the table right now, which they understand and know. But hopefully that'll click for them because transition can be a real weapon. Yep. And uh, it's hard. Will Hardy said when he got this job in the, with the Jazz, one of the first things he said at his press conference and said it throughout preseason was he wants the team to play fast. He wants them to play a little bit faster than they did last season. But it has to be fast under control. It has to be fast with a purpose. And I know they embrace the chaos, but it's not like they're just making it up as they go. They, they understand what that chaos means. It's a controlled chaos that gets the other team scrambling. The Jazz need to find a way to play with pace, but can't get sped up so fast that it allows the Clippers and guys like John Wall and, uh, and Norman Powell to get out there and, and really play play in space because that's where they are so effective and that's where they killed the Jazz in the first half and I know the Jazz came back, they erased that uh, that deficit and were up by five going into the fourth quarter, but still that amount of work it took in the third quarter took its toll in the fourth. Yeah, and pace is a, is a great word. I think um, everybody wants to play fast um, but I do think there's times during the season like this where you've got to kind of swallow hard and you've got to say hey, I've got to let these guys grow and we're going to do it through mistakes. Uh, but that's always, you know, it's easier to try to control them. I like that Coach Hardy wants to play faster um, and, and really encourages it. I do believe when this team figures out the transition piece, um, it really completes the loop because they get points from the free throw line. They get offensive rebounds night after night. Um, they're a great three-point shooting team, and that'll only get better 
if they can get those early in transition as opposed to having to run something in half court. The My Subaru Is campaign features real stories from Mark Miller Subaru customers. Subaru owners are diverse and each has a unique story to share. Read some of the Mark Miller Subaru owner stories and share yours at MySubaruIs.com. When we come back, we'll put a ball on this thing, get you ready for the Detroit Pistons coming into town on Wednesday. Tim Lacombe, Ben Anderson filling in for Jake Scott on Jazz Game Night. is printed. Jake Scott and the coach Tim Lacombe are breaking down how it all happened on the Mark Miller Utah Jazz postgame show. Oh my! I can't remember. It was a pretty funny conversation. John Wall gets stripped. Ground ball robbery from the Jazz with a chance to take the lead. Horton Tucker attacking the rock. Fouled and finishes Utah leads! How about that? Down by 17 in the second quarter. Down by 10 to start the third, and the Jazz have forcefully worked their way back in front, 83-82. It's your play of the game, Taylor Horton Tucker, and one with the Duncan transition, brought to you by Larry H. Miller Dealerships for service, sales, and selection, lhmauto.com, driven by you. The number of really impressive flashes that you get from Taylor Horton Tucker on the floor, I know we've talked about him a lot tonight, but there's a reason. His 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 high marks are uniquely high, even among the best players in the world in the NBA. He made a couple of plays tonight. I mean, just think about the, some of those plays, but the one that stands out to me, I mean, he had Jackson dead to rights if he would have gone over his left shoulder, but he actually makes the harder play, which is to spin back right shoulder, fade away. Yeah. And it looked like Bernard King, the old right, Bernard King right. at Madison Square Garden. I mean, it was sweet, nothing but net. But his his touch uh, from three made a couple threes, and then his ability to relentlessly drive the lane, drive through contact, finish through contact, and multiple release points. I just I think he's really great. And that's that 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 was just his offense. Exactly. I mean, tonight defensively, right. we talked about. I mean, he probably should have been a jump ball. This actually hurt the Jazz, but he tied up Amir Coffee on a block shot that looked like he was beat. Poked the ball away from John Wall, which look this isn't little league basketball. I mean, you're not stealing. You're not picking guys off the dribble. You're just not poking the ball away anymore unless you have that uniquely long wingspan and really good timing. There's only a few really good lockdown on-ball defenders in the NBA. Think of Alex Caruso with the Chicago Bulls. Talon isn't that. That's what people expected from him coming out of Iowa State, but he certainly shows enough flashes to think he could get there. Yeah, I I see what the buzz is about. I really do. He he does something every night that impresses me. You know, gets me kind of looking more into what this dude is. And um, it, it's definitely a great sign. You mentioned he's 21. I mean, that's that's amazing uh, because he plays well beyond his years. And nice to have him locked up for another season. That's right. And, you know, maybe you can avoid him uh, if he continues to play like this, even getting to free agency. You might try to extend him before. I mean, I know that's the cart before the horse on a very early rearrangement of this roster that the Jazz have gone through over the last couple of months. But... He's a he's an intriguing piece the Jazz have, and those types of highlights are uh, they're not few and far between. They are going to come pretty frequently as long as he's in a jazz uh, a jazz uniform. And I actually was thinking during the game, kind of chuckling. It's the ultimate final like coup de gras of the Lakers and Beverly. Oh, like, what an unbelievable! You know, if if the if he continues to grow at the rate, I mean, he's already the trade's already like far won. But I'm talking like historic kind of like whoa you. Gave up him for him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right, yeah, one of those ones in retrospect. 
I mean, yes. they, the Lakers need a guy exactly like him right now. Yeah, right, right. Would they love a two-way player who can make some shots and space the floor two of four from the three-point line tonight and then just brings a no-nonsense energy to the game? That's what I'm, I'm really impressed with, with him, talking to him after games, before games. He is... He's all ball. That guy is not trying to mix it up. He does not miss the bright lights of Los Angeles. That's not what he's about. He just wants to get out there. He wants to play, and he wants to help you win, and that's what he does. And I liked your observation. You know, the cool thing, you get to interact way more than I. You see him more um, in person. But I I think the fact that you said he seems like a guy who would really feel great about living here. You know, more of a quiet guy, enjoys this, um, I guess, slower pace and uh, out of the lights. I love when guys like it here, especially good players. He's one of them. Uh, good night tonight from uh, Taylor Horton Tucker. And as we've mentioned with Mike Conley out of the lineup, he's going to have a real opportunity to show what he's got, including uh, Wednesday night when the Utah Jazz welcome the shorthanded Detroit Pistons into town. Cade Cunningham has just uh, not been able to get healthy so far this year, which is too bad because as a rookie, he truly had some superstar moments. We even saw it uh, in a big comeback against the Jazz last year on the road in Detroit. He can be pretty special, the former number 1 overall pick out of Oklahoma State. He's got a great feel, and just that size, you know, ability to see, have the vision, first of all, and then uh, the ability to see everything and make every play because of your size. I, I think he's got a great future. I hope he can heal up. It'll be good to see Boyan, too, you know, back in, in the house. Uh, absolutely one of the, uh, at the biggest fan favorites we've ever seen come through Utah, Boyan Bogdanovich, and absolutely deservedly so because he is terrific on the floor he's terrific off the floor and again no nonsense all ball I mean one of the first things I remember hearing about him was from George Niang he said Boyan has the perfect level of caring and not caring it's the perfect combination because he doesn't care so much that he's going to be afraid to shoot the ball if he's missed his first five and he cares enough that he's going to really go out there and on a night when Donovan Mitchell was out in the playoffs he can give you 29 points 30 points in the first half of a playoff game and he did it more than once you know and that to me, that is a hard skill. I mean, to be able to have the ability to rise to the level but also not make it everything, I, I absolutely love it. And it's a great explanation of what he was. I loved watching him play. I thought he brought uh, a real excitement and some you know, a, a, to a team that, that kind of needed it, just a guy who showed up and got you, um, you know, 15, 20 points nearly every night. Uh, and look at him now. This is uh, one of those rare win-win trades in the NBA where – the Detroit Pistons had a lot of depth at center, brought some young guys in, including Jalen Duran, who they drafted in the first, uh, or I guess they traded for on draft night in the lottery. They just needed to clear space for their young bigs to get out there and have an opportunity to see the floor, so they needed to move on from Kelly Olynyk. And on the flip side, the Jazz needed to give Larry Markin every opportunity to touch the ball, and they weren't going to do that with Boyan Bogdanovich on, on the roster. Boyan averaging 20.5 points per game right now for the uh, Pistons. He's actually their leading scorer this year and signed a two-year $40 million extension, so good for Boyan. I, I said Bogdanovich means bucket in uh, Serbia. That's why it's twice, or you should say Boyan, because that's why they say it's twice. I mean, bogey is bogey. It's the bogey bucket. And, uh, bogey bucket. Yeah, he gives it to he you every night. He definitely can, too. He, he's got a great ability to score in all different areas. Excited to see him back here, and uh, I think Jazz fans are going to give him the uh, ovation he deserves, one of the uh, one of the all-time greats to come through Utah, both on the floor and off. The My Subaru Is campaign features real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Subaru owners are diverse, and each has a unique story to share. Read some of the Mark Miller Subaru owner stories and share your own at MySubaruIs.com. The Utah Jazz fall 
fall to the L.A. Clippers, 121-114, down 17 in the first half. Battle back, uh, but ultimately not enough there in the fourth quarter. We'll be back with you on Wednesday night as the Jazz face Boyan Bogdanovich and the Detroit Pistons. Big thanks to Jamil back there uh, flipping the switches for us on the broadcast. Tim Lacombe, as always, we'll talk to you again uh, coming up in a couple of nights. Sounds good, man. You're like uh, in there flying the ship. With us two out here. Good Running job around, tonight, man. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to cause trouble. And great being with you, Ben. Absolute pleasure to be with somebody that sees the game like you do. Hey, man, it's an honor to uh, to be able to have this opportunity to do it. Big thanks to Jake for uh, calling my number as he's uh, out this week. So more coming up on Wednesday as the Jazz get ready to take on the Detroit Pistons. It's Jazz Game Night. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.